Welcome to the Real Life English Podcast, where we help dedicated English learners just like you cultivate the courage, the confidence, and the skills that you need to understand real life native English, to communicate clearly with people from all around the world, and to make your life an epic global adventure. Now, are you ready to go beyond the classroom and start living your English? Can I get an aww, yeah? How's it going, guys? So, this podcast has the potential to make a huge impact on your English and your life. So, in this episode, we talked all about habits, the importance of them, and actually some suggestions of habits that you can try for your English. We discussed also how gratitude and meditation can help make you more optimistic, focused, and overall happier. Also, we talked a little bit about a method that the best athletes and musicians use that you can apply to your English. And we cover a better way to meet native and non native English speakers to practice your communication skills with. All right, so we're about to get started with the lesson, but I wanted to let you know first that you can get an extra tip over on our Instagram at reallife.english. And also that this Friday, we have a lesson coming out that gives you even more ideas and recommendations. Maybe if you are listening to this retroactively, that video has actually already been published. But either way, in order to not miss it, just go over to YouTube and search for Real Life English, and our channel will pop right up. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our new lessons. Now, let's jump into episode 193 of the Real Life English Podcast. Aww, yeah, boys and girls, citizens of the world, this is Ethan from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, convenient, and smart way to learn English. So, download this podcast and listen to it while you're stuck in traffic. Mowing the lawn, or even playing foosball with Joey and Chandler. Hi,、uh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm joined here in the Cross Atlantic studio. First of all, by the man who doesn't read books, he stares them down until he gets the information that he wants, Justin Murray. Oh, <laughs>、uh, yeah. Great to be back. And as always, by the lovely Andrea, who is here with me melting in Barcelona. Oh, hi, everyone. We certainly are melting. Summer is well and truly here. It's August. So, Justin, I said that you stare down books. What does that mean? Well, to stare means to look intensely at something, right? Exactly. And if you stare someone down, it's kind of like you're looking at them intensely to try to kind of show your superior status or like your alpha, like dogs do this, even animals do this to, to kind of show dominance. So, Justin just dominates those books <laughs> to get the information he wants. And Andrea, you said that it's a smart way to learn English, so this can mean intelligent, but I think in British English you use it for another definition too, don't you? So we use it if you're making a good choice and if you're intelligent. Did you think of another one? Like you did if you're dressed in a smart way? Oh, yeah, that's true as well. Do you guys not use that as much? I don't think it's as common. Yeah, so it could be a dress code as well, like smart, casual, something like that.、Mm-hmm. What about、yeah. smart ass? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's certainly American English. <laughs> Mr. V, what does smartass mean? Smartass means that you kind of think that you know everything. So if someone's kind of trying to show off that they're a know it all, it would be like a, a way that you could say that that's not as、uh, offensive. That would be also a smartass. So, kind of like a, a, a kid who's like talking back to an adult, right? 
Exactly. You could use it in that case too. But I think smart ass you wouldn't use as much with a kid. You'd probably use know it all, right? Which is a good a good connected speech. I think our version in the UK is smart Alec. Smart Alec. I'm not Yeah, have you heard that? I'm not sure why, but I'd say that too. Yeah. We okay. use that or, yeah, uh, we use that too. It's just not as not as offensive. Yeah. <laughs> and kids might also say like a smarty pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you guys are already getting a ton of vocabulary expressions and pronunciation just through this intro. But for now, before we get into our main topic, where today we are talking about things that you can practice every single day to improve your English communication, we are going to roll into our shout out. So Justin, who do we have a shout out for today? All right, well, this is a great shout out from Cuervo from Colombia. And it's titled, Thanks a Bunch. He says, I believe it's a he, because it's masculine, Cuervo, but I just wanted to congratulate you guys for doing such a great job with each one of your podcasts and content in general. I have to say, I've really learned from your meaningful topics. You guys have helped me to maximize my knowledge as a non-native English teacher a lot. A colleague here, in case you want to come and practice your Spanish in Colombia. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Justin, I think you've already practiced your Spanish in Colombia, haven't you? It's true. I lived in Colombia for a year and a half. That's awesome. And it's great too seeing that this guy or maybe girl is an English teacher as well. And they're still improving their English skills by listening to podcasts. So I think that just goes to show that you can always continue improving even when you get to the level of being a teacher. So thanks so much for your sweet words, Cuervo. And if you want us to shout you out, all you have to do is head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to us, and leave us a five-star review. And the other really great thing about this is that it helps other learners from all over the world to learn with us. So let's grow the adventure. Now let's take a look at our quote of the day. So Andrea, what's our quote to go along with today's topic? So our quote today is by Will Durant. And it's, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. That's an excellent one. So it's definitely one of my favorite quotes. It's kind of tricky though, the wording. So what exactly does Will Durant mean by that? So what he's saying is that you cannot act very, like to be successful, you, you can't really act. You have to develop the habits that are going to make you successful. So. It's very fitting for today's topic and especially for the first point that we're going to be talking about. So it was a really good choice. Andrea, what does fitting mean? <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me that. <laughs> uh, it means that it suits it very well. If something is very fitting, then it goes very well with whatever you're talking about. So this quote goes very well with the topic for discussion today. One thing I will say about this is habits are so important. Habits really, at first, this is something we're going to talk more about when we talk about routines. But when you first start doing something, it takes a lot of willpower. You need to try. You need to make a lot of effort. But the more you do it over 20, 40, 60 days, it becomes automated. It becomes something that ultimately becomes part of you and it doesn't take so much effort. And that's when you really, really start making progress with your learning. Totally. I think definitely habits can be a superpower. So enough talk. Let's jump into today's main topic. So uh, the first point, Andrea already hinted at it and Justin did as well. So what is it, Andrea? So the first one is to develop routines. And what exactly is a routine? 
So a routine is like, for example, your daily routine would be when you wake up in the morning, like what's the first thing you do? And then what do you do consecutively after that? So if you have a certain routine that you stick to, like what Justin mentioned previously, if you make something become a habit or part of your routine, um, if you do that for many, many days, then it's just going to become a habit and it's going to become a lot more natural. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I think this is so important for those of us, which probably most people listening who have a busy schedule where you feel like you just can't fit in your English studying every day. I think this is really going to be like the secret for you to be able to build up to having so much time in your in your day that you're dedicating to your English. It gets easier and easier ultimately. And one of the things that we say here at Real Life English over and over again is to make it fun, natural, and convenient. Because when you do that, you don't feel like you're studying English, you're living it. Like don't just learn English, live it. Go beyond the classroom and, and live your English. And that's to make it a lifestyle. And really this this is excellent for forming those routines and those habits because when you're making it fun, it becomes very attractive. And then when it, when you actually integrate it into your life, for example, when you're on the bus or playing foosball <laughs> or doing the dishes or cleaning the house, doing whatever, you're combining the tasks and it becomes ultimately something that doesn't waste time. It becomes something very coherent with the rest of your life. So you said, you also said this in the intro. So foosball, I think in most other countries it has different names so what exactly is foosball i would say table soccer table soccer i've never actually heard that but it makes perfect sense yeah i'm trying to think what we call it as well because i think just from probably from watching friends mainly we call it mm -hmm. foosball as well now but i feel like it has another word another name as well which i'll have to think about because it's not coming to me right now <laughs> <laughs> so and here is called footballin mm -hmm. do you know what it's called in brazil justin um, I have no idea, actually. <laughs> All right. So you're going to have to find that out after the podcast, or maybe we have some fan out there that can write us and, and let us know. Futebol Jumeza? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to this first point about, as Justin said, making it fun, natural, convenient, making it a part of your lifestyle. I think it's really about, too, that you're kind of taking control of your life. You're, you're actually saying that you don't want your life just to happen to you. You want to design the way that you want it to be. And so, you know, if you want to be fluent in English, then you have to design a lifestyle that is going to lead to being someone who is fluent in English. Yeah. And if you have a really busy schedule, then you can think of ways to maximize your time by, you know, listening to podcasts while you're washing the dishes or doing your cleaning or um, going for a walk as well in your downtime. Like there's always moments where you can maximize your time as well to to get some extra study time in there and making it fun and natural and convenient. Mm -hmm. So I used to, with all my students, I would actually make them kind of like write out what their average day was like for me so that I could kind of like help them to design it in this way. So like Andrew's saying to help them find those moments that would be convenient to be listening to something or to be doing something in English. And like I said before, when you kind of discover these different increments of, even if it's just like two or three minutes that you can be doing something in English, which we'll talk more about different things that you could be doing, it really adds up over time. So it's kind of like a snowball effect almost. Uh, Justin actually just recently was telling me about a book that he read called Atomic Habits, which is all about kind of the, the power of habits and how you can build them more effectively. But is there some wisdom that you've gotten from that, Justin, that could be applicable here? Well, the whole book is great. I mean, 
this guy, James Clear, he basically studied like all the science of habit formation, like the power of habit, which is a book that we both like. And basically he built a system talking about the four laws of habits. He says, make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy and make it satisfying. So making it obvious would be like, for example, if you're going to go, if you're going to go running, you put your running shoes next to the door. If you want to eat nice food, healthy food, you put the healthy food in front of the refrigerator, you hide the unhealthy food. So with your English, you might want to put like your, your phone or your headphones next to your, your, your phone before you go out. And just as a reminder to listen to podcasts or put the real life English podcast, for example, subscribe, download it, have it ready so that when you start in your car, you can start listening to it to make it attractive is to pick something that you enjoy. So maybe you're learning English with a hobby that you already like. Maybe you're learning English with a TV show that you like, like Friends, for example. Um, so that makes it attractive because it gives you that positive feeling when you're doing it. And to make it easy is to remove those barriers, ultimately, to just make it something that doesn't, doesn't make it difficult in your life. And again, this goes back to um, combining it with other routines that you're doing. And then making it satisfying might be to celebrate your success. Like when you listen to that podcast, give yourself a pat on the back. When you have that conversation in English, really celebrate that success. There's little small wins that are going to help you become more successful over time. What do you mean by give yourself a pat on the back? Give yourself a pat on the back. Um, to pat yourself, to pat means to like pet or to, to how would you describe this? To, to take your, your palm, the palm of your hand, put it on your back mm -hmm. and repeat that motion to commemorate what you just did. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like a, a light tapping motion uh -huh. and as a way to congratulate yourself like because you can't necessarily give yourself a hug well you could you could try but <laughs> generally we say if you've done something well give yourself a pat on the back we use it a lot as well in schools when we're teaching but it's it's an expression as well that's used if you've done something um really great and kind of like a well done to yourself you pat yourself on the back gently mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of something that we do with people, I mean, at least like I think in English speaking culture with people that we're close to, we might like actually give another person a pat on the back to kind of, you know, show our congratulations to them or show our approval or, or our pride for them. Uh, but then like Andrew is saying, then we also direct this towards ourselves as an expression. So to finalize this idea about James Clear's Atomic Habits, I think it's really important to make it easy and to make it satisfying. And one way to do this is to start simple to really, like you were saying, Ethan, just those three minutes. If you can just start, you don't need to finish it. You just need to build the habit. Ultimately, to build the habit, oftentimes, you just need to start. You need to do something very small. Even if it's not giving you the results, learn that one word per day. So that's really important. And the second thing, um, in the book, they give an example of Jerry Seinfeld, the famous comedian from the Seinfeld show. When he started off, he, he had a calendar, and he had this mantra in his head that was, don't break the streak. Because every day he had to write a joke and he did this for like a decade and he became this, this worldly famous comedian and it was just because every day he did it and for him, it was satisfying to check that, that calendar day off because if he missed it, that was really bad. And so he was just really trying to write that one joke per day. And so you can do the same thing. Do something little every single day. It doesn't have to be difficult. Something easy that helps you build that habit, gives you momentum, gives you that small win. And what exactly is a streak? A streak is like consecutive days. So 
a 10 day streak would be like 10 consecutive days in a row that you do something. Exactly. And I think one of the really great things about this too, is like when you get started like that, like probably his goal is just to write one joke per day, but I bet like some days he'd write, he would sit down to write that one joke and maybe he ended up writing three or five or 10. So it's kind of like the same that I think a lot of people have in their heads that if they can't go big, like they don't want to go at all. So it's like, if they can't do that big effort of studying for 30 minutes, then they're just like, oh, I don't, I don't have time. But if you just do like two grammar exercises in your book or something that you bought, then, you know, that's like a good way just to build momentum. And then maybe some days it'll kind of just inspire you to, to even go beyond that. So, but we'll talk more about like some things related to that. But for now, let's move on to number two. Do you want to share that, Andrea? Yeah. So number two is to improve your listening. This probably comes as no surprise to our listeners here. <laughs> Definitely is something that's so important as part of your learning to communicate effectively in English. You know, you need to immerse yourself in the listening. Um, and even if to begin with, you're finding it difficult to speak, the more you listen, the easier then that will come as well. There's so much native media out there. It's really important to start engaging with that. So we have TV shows, podcasts, music, and to really make that a part of your daily life is really important. You don't need to, to speak with natives necessarily every single time. I think practicing your English with anybody oftentimes is a really great way to practice your output. But listening to natives, getting that native practice in, that's really important. Ethan wrote a great article about this, about input versus output. How would you explain that article, Ethan? Well, the concept of input versus output is that really the input is kind of like the things that are going in. So in learning, that would be things that you're listening to and things that you're reading. And then output would be the speaking and the writing. And really kind of for things to become active, like you have to listen so much and really probably at least twice or if not more than that, then you're actually speaking. And everyone thinks about like, you know, that they really want to speak English. But if you don't have around kind of those habits of speaking English, if you don't have really good listening habits, then really you're not going to be getting kind of the building blocks that you need to be that effective, confident speaker. So it's just like really, really important that anytime you have like a convenient moment throughout your day, you're just constantly immersing yourself in the English language and listening to our podcast is a really great way to do this. But you could also, like Justin was saying, kind of like finding things that are fun for you. So like connecting it to your interests and maybe you could find some podcasts. Maybe if you're really into cooking, you could find some podcasts about cooking. If you're really into technology, there's tons of podcasts out there about that. Um, we actually talked a lot about this in episode 187 of our podcast. So you could definitely go check out that one. Maybe this is the first episode that you're ever listening to. And that would be a great one to follow up with. Yeah, there are some really great things out there as well, especially with music. Um, one tool that I would use a lot in my lessons or recommend to my students as well was lyrics training because it's a really fun way to listen to a song but also know the words in it and there's different levels and even for me as a native sometimes if there's a song that you really uh, don't understand the words to it's great to then kind of learn them and you can sing along as well so then that's kind of like the input but then output as well because you're listening to the song but then you're also able to sing it which is really fun to do as well. Even if you're not great at singing, it can be really fun. And again, a really great way to then practice your speaking without thinking about the words you're saying so much, just because you've listened to the song so much that you just then know the words. Totally. I always like really recommend singing as well. Like it's something you can do when you're in the shower or in the car or like anything like that. 
and because like singing you tend to like really exaggerate the movements in your mouth it's like a really great way to build those muscles of articulation so those things that are really difficult for you to pronounce in english you're kind of like it's kind of like a workout for your mouth to be able to start pronouncing those things better if you really want to test your your pronunciation and your singing we have a great lesson on eminem actually it's on the learning English tv series youtube channel we'll link it in the show notes but it's really great song that that illustrates so many sounds of connected speech connected speech is how natives cut and connect their words we link and shrink our words and and rap music is really excellent for that you find a song that you really enjoy or well, maybe if you don't enjoy rap maybe learn <laughs> to cultivate that that taste first but for example red hot chili peppers is a great band that's not rap but they sing in in, in such a way that i think is really good for that type of pronunciation but you can repeat it slow it down record yourself get feedback on it and then memorizing those words getting that muscle memory in there is really really going to help you fortify and and make a part of who you are your pronunciation these native connected speech sounds totally and beyond like listening to podcasts there's so many other things that you can listen to you can listen to the radio you can use an app called tune in and you can listen to a radio station from virtually any city in the world so you know if there's some like really specific place that you want to go to and you want to custom yourself to their way of speaking then that can be like a really great way to do it you can listen to audiobooks as well, and that can be kind of like a way to even be learning more. You know, if you're not like Justin, you can't just stare down that book, then, you know, this can be a great way to get an extra reading on the go and stuff. And, and generally, I think audiobooks can be good too, because there's kind of a rhythmic way of speaking when they're, when they're doing it. They're, very, they're enunciating every single word, so it makes it easier to understand. And probably with most listeners, um, with most apps that you would listen to an audiobook on, you can slow it down. Or maybe if it's not enough of a challenge, you can speed it up. So uh, that can be really fantastic. So enough about listening because you guys are listening to this podcast. You probably are well aware of that. Let's talk about some other new and fun habits that you could try that maybe you're not aware of yet. Wouldn't it be great if there was some way to understand real English without getting lost and without getting bored? Well, now there is. With our real-life Native Immersion course, we will take you on a 41-week real-life adventure of the English language, each week exploring a different topic connected to our goal to help you understand and use real Native English and make it a permanent part of your life in a way that is fun, natural, and convenient. The best part is you can try it for free with our three-part power learning series. We will send it to your email. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod, that's P-O-D, to sign up. Now, let's get back to today's podcast lesson. So what's the first one, Justin? Well, this is something I love to do. I do it pretty much every day. It's something very important for my life. It's journaling. Journaling is like one of these things, too, that has actually, there have been all these studies about it on how, for example, if you journal about your gratitude, people who do this over over time, even over just like a couple weeks, will notice just a humongous change in their positivity and their happiness and their general outlook and optimism about life. The scientists say that when you journal gratitude, basically you're reminding yourself of you know a couple minutes each day about the things that you're grateful for, about little things that you might miss, that you might not think about, somebody opening the door for you, somebody saying something nice, just having things that you take for granted in your life, right? Like hot water or electricity. So just reminding yourself of those things helps you not take those things for granted. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to take things for granted? To take things for granted 
well, just I'll point out that you said take things for granted instead of granted, mm -hmm. right? This is uh, how we pronounce oftentimes NT words in American English, especially. Do you say take for granted, Andrea? We do, but it would sound different when I say it. So we say we take things for granted. Okay. So there's a difference in the pronunciation. So probably the American pronunciation is incorrect. It's very common. <laughs> take things for granted, take things for granted. But basically it means to, um, to not value something to its true value because you sort of are so habituated to it. You're so used to it that you stop really appreciating it. And so if you stop and step back and look and say like, oh, you know, like these people, your, your family, the loved ones, if you were to lose those people, if you didn't have those things, you wouldn't take it for granted anymore. And so you can do that, practice that every single day with gratitude. And ultimately, that's going to rewire your brain to, to notice the positive things. Totally. I know for me, that's like a really important practice that I do every morning. That is just like such a bright way to start the day. Uh, and like another really important thing for me too every morning is meditating. So Justin actually wrote a whole article about the benefits of meditation in general, but especially for English learners because there's kind of like side effects of it that will help you with your English. So you want to talk a little bit about that, Justin? Yeah, I'd say in general, meditation will make you just more clear, more calm, more relaxed, less reactive. I think a lot of times there are many reasons why it's going to help you with English. It'll help you just stay more focused. But I think in one way, like emotions oftentimes cause problems for people. Like you get scared, you think people will judge you. You you know, you're telling all these stories about yourself in your head. And it's because speaking English can be really difficult. Speaking a different language can be very scary. And this helps you modulate your fears a bit, step back and just accept yourself, love yourself, and really get to the point where you can regulate those emotions so you can come and bring your, your calmest, your best self. Totally. And there's kind of like the saying that between stimulus and response, there's a gap where you get to choose your response. And I think meditation really helps to cultivate more of a power to be able to choose that response. So, you know, maybe instead of getting angry about something, which might be your normal response, you would actually be able to cultivate where you would take a breath and you would actually like be able to think about it, reflect on it more before you actually responded in a way that might get you into more trouble or it might just dig a deeper hole. So really these first two that we talked about too, um, they're really great habits. They aren't things necessarily that you'd have to do in English, but you know, journaling, as long as you're starting a journaling habit, why not improve your English writing? And as long as you're starting a meditation habit, then you could try some apps that both Justin and I use that we really love, like the Insight Timer, which is free, and the Waking Up app, which has, uh, they have scholarships and they also have like a, I believe 30 day free. So those are really fantastic ways to get your toes wet with meditation. And I highly, and we'll link them in the show notes because I highly recommend that you check that out, it will change your life. Real quickly, Ethan, you get your toes wet in meditation? What's up with that? Get your toes wet. <laughs> that sounds so strange. <laughs> I guess you could like literally maybe meditate next to the sea or next to like a, a river and stick your toes in, but, <laughs> but we mean this as like a figurative expression that you get your toes wet means to kind of like just try something out. Like you're the same way that if you're going to go for a swim, maybe you first stick your toes in to see what the temperature is like before you jump your whole body in. And I will say really quickly that we did a deep dive in this into meditation. Ethan and myself and Chad talked about this on podcast number 127. We talked about our experience with meditation. I think it was 127. I don't know. We'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> but we 
talked for a long time about about really the impact that meditation has made in our lives totally yeah i think also lots of people sometimes when they think about meditation they think that they have to sit for like an hour or even 30 minutes and things like that but it doesn't even have to be that it's like just getting started with it you know so you can just sit for a minute you know mm -hmm. and just try to be calm if you're trying to keep your your mind quiet and things keep popping up it doesn't matter you know you just need to keep doing it you just need to keep trying and then eventually you can maybe start to do it for longer lengths of time or if it works for you just doing a few minutes when you really need it and especially when you're communicating in english it's really useful because in moments of frustration you can just remind yourself to be calm and to kind of try again rather than getting angry and frustrated with yourself totally and I think you can even start to cultivate more of a habit of where even just you take a moment to kind of become more aware or something when you're kind of changing what you're doing. So, you know, you're going to open a door or, you know, sitting down at your desk, like for a moment before you start working. And I think if you start doing cultivating this practice throughout your day, you're going to notice huge differences all throughout your life. So, uh, we have a few more things here. I mean, there's tons of things that we could talk about that you can like use to really change your life but what's another one andrea well one thing that i was kind of scared to do when i first came here i really wanted to try out pilates class but all the ones that i found were in spanish and of course i'm living in spain and you know at first it's a bit scary because you think i'm not going to be able to follow the class i'm going to do everything wrong but it was such a great way to learn loads of vocabulary like I, I learned loads of different things about body parts and the organs inside the body and, and lots of different things. So it's about finding things that you enjoy, but in English, um, whether it's Pilates classes, dance groups, cooking classes, other sports activities, like the, the possibilities are endless. And that's really awesome as well, because you can meet other people. I think any, any place that you have a, a community involvement, like right now online, there's so many classes happening all around the world. And so this is a great opportunity to really authentically meet people from other countries, native speakers even, and form that friendship with them in a way. Because I think it's, if you want to make friends with native speakers, the best way isn't to go up and say, hey, can I practice my English with you? That's not really going to help because what are they getting out of it? But if you cultivate a friendship around a, a shared interest, that's a really great way to do that. Yeah, and I think too, like, what like Andrew was saying, Pilates, cooking, anything really like with exercise, there's so many free videos, classes, tutorials on YouTube. So maybe if you're not already having this habit of, of like maybe right now, if anytime you need information or you need to learn something, if you're typing it in your native language, you could start cultivating the habit of searching always in English. And then you could like, you know, find a video to do yoga on youtube in english instead of like your native language and so you'll be getting kind of like a two for one but like justin said the most effective way really to meet people is around a shared interest and not necessarily around someone helping you to improve your english for free so there's a lot more things we could talk about here but for now let's move on to number four and what is that andrea so number four is to study deliberately so of course it's really important to have deliberate practice even if it's just for a few minutes a day, there's always something that you can work on. So whilst you want to learn English in a fun and natural and convenient way, it's really going to help your progress if you actually 
focus and study on a particular area that maybe you're finding difficult or that you need to improve on as well. So this is really important. So Justin, uh, when we say study or practice deliberately, what does that mean? Well, maybe it means to put in your reps, to put in your repetitions, to get feedback, to step back and try, try to deconstruct what you're doing and, and try to discover your errors and to repeat that correct behavior over and over again until it becomes automatic. Because oftentimes, like when you make it fun, natural, convenient, you can automate sometimes, like automate, you build habits around behaviors that might not be 100% effective, right? So if you're speaking and you're making the, the wrong pronunciation, the wrong sounds, or you know, using the wrong word, the more you speak, the more you're reinforcing that bad habit. So it's, it's okay in the beginning because you need those habits. And when you start practicing, you're going to, you're going to really automate some bad habits and that's natural because you want to really use the habits as that Trojan horse to, to, to build the habits, to, to build your fluency. But then you need to take a, a step back at a certain point and really be like, okay, well, how can I deconstruct my English? How can I de-automate those habits so I can correct them? So I can, I can automate the correct habits. Totally. That's really well said. I hadn't really thought about that so much that it's almost as important to kind of be getting rid of the, uh, to be de-automating the bad habits that you've cultivated as it is to build the, the new good habits. So I think that this really is like where the, the rubber hits the road and that like everything we've talked uh, about up until now, really, I think they're not such difficult things because they're very enjoyable, but a lot of times that deliberate practice, that deliberate study, it's really what you're going to need if you want to go like from intermediate to advanced. If you're really wanting to become, you know, a very, very fluent, advanced, um, beautiful English speaker, it's so necessary to be really be able to pick apart your speaking and, and like your, your skills and find where are those small things that I need to improve to take it to the next level. Okay, but to pick apart your speaking, Ethan, I'm going to ask Andrew <laughs> here, what is... What is where the rubber meets the road or the, where the rubber hits the road, as Ethan said? What does that mean? Yeah, I haven't heard this one so much. I guess it must be an American one, but does it mean like when something gets started? Yeah, it's kind of like Mr. V, throw it back to you. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's like the real, the real proof of something, right? And I'm not sure where exactly this comes from, but I might imagine it has something to do with like vehicles. Maybe is that like, I, I could imagine maybe, for example, someone talks about like, this is the fastest car in the world or it's, you know, goes, it's the car that goes for the fastest from zero to 60. Uh, but until the rubber meets the road or hits the road, until you've actually like taken that car out and, and tested it, you're not going to know that. So it's basically that concept is like, if you really want to see your skills as an English speaker, it's really important to build those fun, convenient habits. But where the rubber meets the road there is like when you're putting in the hard work, the things that maybe aren't so enjoyable and you're like, you're really picking apart your speaking, your skills to find that 5% or 10% or 20% that you need to go to the next level. I think if you step back and look at like what you're good at, ultimately what you do as a profession and the best performers in the world in anything, it's like they learn to deliberate practice, deliberately practice with what they love, what they do. They learn to go through the boring part to get through that, to, get through discomfort to really become your best. Because if you can't handle that discomfort and that repetition, if you get bored, if you get uncomfortable, then it's not going to lead you to your best. Mm -hmm. So this part, I mean, it might not be for everyone. I think you can get to like a good level, a fluent level, just doing kind of like the things that are more enjoyable and stuff. But really what we're talking about now is what you need to get that 20, that final 20% of your learning to really be exceptional. 
So really quickly, what are deliberate practice forms in English? I think, well, a lot of people kind of like start out with these things, which is like, you know, drilling grammar exercises, doing grammar exercises over and over and over again, which I think isn't so effective when you're first starting out because it's like, you know, you don't really have so much of the context yet to really understand what you're doing. But I think when you do that, when you already have like a really good base, when you're already doing these other things that we've talked about, then you have the context to really be able to understand that. And it's going to be a lot more meaningful to you. And it's going to help to give you that push to go to the next level. Um, I think like another place where this is really important, for example, is with pronunciation is like, maybe if you get to a place where you're, you're speaking fluently, you can have like a conversation with someone, you're very comfortable, you have the vocabulary, you're confident, uh, but you'll probably still have like certain things that people can't always understand you. Maybe you're not pronouncing something correctly. And it's almost like the polishing of your speaking that you need to, to go and give it. So I think that learning the international phonetic alphabet can be useful for this because you can compare the, um, you can compare like between the sounds that exist in English and your own language, and you can see which ones don't exist in your own language. And you really need to like practice being able to make those. Uh, but I think also you can just do some different kind of exercises to practice over and over again sounds so that you're kind of like building those muscles of articulation. I think some of the things can be quite fun as well. Like you can be quite creative with your your drilling or your deliberate practice. For example, you could watch interviews with a famous person or celebrity that you really like and you can just mimic them. So you don't have to think about the words that you're saying and the vocabulary and the sentences, or the structure or anything. You literally just watch them and then pause the video and just repeat what they're saying. So then that's going to help your pronunciation if that's a person that you'd really like to sound like. And then you can learn other things from that as well. And that's a really fun way of doing it. Totally. So I think it's hard work, but it doesn't necessarily always need to be a really boring activity. Yeah. Like Andrea says. So we've given you a few different ideas here. Uh, there's a lot more that we could talk about, but for now, so that we're not dragging on too long, let's move on to the fifth and final point that we have for you in today's podcast. What is that, Justin? To speak whenever possible. So I think we already talked about this a little bit, that maybe you don't need to just go up to natives and like be like, hey, will you help me practice my English? But being more creative about ways that you can find native speakers or non-native speakers, which in some ways can be even better because They'll be maybe more empathetic. They, they know what you're going through. They might be more interested to talk to you. Uh, we have a really fantastic place for you to do this if you join either of our courses in the Fluency Circle. Do you want to share a little bit about the Fluency Circle, Justin? Yeah, the Fluency Circle is our community of international all-star learners from our courses, the Native Immersion Course and the Fluency, the Native Immersion Course and Fluent with Friends. And really, it's a Telegram group that it's kind of like a chat room. People are in there sharing speaking in English. We have a great group of leaders in there as well, the global ambassadors. These people are helping us lead that community, doing a great job. And we also have a, a Facebook group. And from time to time, there are meetups, maybe a few times a month, and people will get together, share friendship, get to know each other, practice their English, and it really becomes something very meaningful. It becomes ultimately their global tribe. I think ultimately you want to discover your global tribe have a network of people all around the world from different countries that helps you really go beyond borders in your own life to really 
come to that life-changing realization that no matter what divides us, what unites us is far greater. And you realize this when you have friends, when you have that, that network of friends from all around the world. And in this case, the fluency circle is that network for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think like for many people probably who are listening to this, maybe like your family doesn't really understand like why you want to learn English or maybe they do, but like none of them are learning English. Maybe you don't have any friends that are really learning English like you are. This is like a really great way to have that support group of like people who are as passionate about learning English as you are. So that, you know, I think when you have that shared experience, it really just helps to be the fuel in your fire of, of the thing that continues to push you forward and really... I think the most meaning that you can give to the language is when you have other people to use it with. I think it's a really great way to practice your speaking. And I think it's a big misconception that people have is that to to speak or to progress that you need to speak um, with natives. It's really like, like you guys said, you know, they'll probably be much more gentle with you because they're going through the same process and experience that you are and you can really learn a lot from each other and you'll probably find more opportunities to speak this way as well so don't don't let that stop you from speaking in English don't say oh but I can't speak with natives so I can't practice speaking there's always ways of finding people to speak with you'll have more opportunities that way for sure one objective that people have over this is they think that when you speak with non-native you're gonna somehow the errors of that person are gonna gonna become contagious but ultimately if, if you're doing the other habits if you have enough listening practice with native speakers if you're watching tv shows listening to podcasts ultimately it's far better to speak, even if just a little bit or, or more with non-native speakers than it is to, to not speak at all. Mm -hmm. Totally. It's like we talked about before with the input versus output. If you have like the proper input of you're getting that kind of like native, you're, you're really immersing yourself in that native language as much as possible, then it's okay that you're like speaking to someone who's making errors because they're not really going to rub off on you because you already have all that correct input. Uh, and at the same time, you're getting to really practice everything that you're learning in that time. So, and I think like one of the things that can be really fulfilling about this too, is like, if you're in the fluency circle or like a, you have your global tribe, like Justin said, you have that added benefit of like that cultural exchange. So you're getting to learn all about other different cultures, other countries. It's almost like a virtual way to sort of travel the world. So that's something I definitely enjoy when I like check in in the fluency circle in the morning is just kind of like seeing the conversations that are going on all across the globe. And ultimately you become, you start to identify yourself more as not a person from this country or that country. You become a global citizen. You, be, you become somebody who you can, again, going beyond the borders of your own, your own thinking about the world and your, your whole perspective, your whole worldview just becomes much more ample. And that's huge. It gives you access to an entirely new level of information, a new level of culture, a new level of relationships. And from there, it's like the world is your oyster, ultimately. Totally. What does that mean, that the world is your oyster? The world is your oyster. I think we did uh, a Instagram post about this, didn't we? We might have a while ago, yeah. I think we talked about it in another podcast. It means that, that the world is there for the taking. The world is there for you to take advantage of. It's something that... How did you guys explain it before? Yeah, that's quite a tricky one, actually, because I have no idea why it's an oyster. What is the connection to, <laughs> you know... Like if you actually made a, like a photo montage of this or something, it will really confuse people. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's because like oysters have pearls in them. So it's kind of like that, that bright, shiny thing at the center, you know, the, that's full of opportunity and riches. 
it's kind of like, you know, the world is your oyster because all of these opportunities are available to you. So I would say like just closing up this entire topic, you practice these habits, you constantly cultivate, you, you make your English fun, natural, convenient, you speak English, you do all these things, then you're going to really upgrade your sense of the world and, and the world is your oyster. Totally. So we've really only scratched the surface of this topic. Uh, and actually, we have a lesson coming out this Friday on our YouTube channel, on the Real Life English channel on YouTube. So if you head over to YouTube and you type in Real Life English, the channel will pop right up. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our new lessons. And I talked a lot more about different techniques, different tips, different things that you can be doing, uh, different activities that you can try out. So definitely go go check that out. And also, if you head over to our Instagram at reallife.english, then Andrea is going to give you a special sixth tip there about how you can get more English practice in and improve your communication. So thanks so much for joining us here on the Real Life English Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Hey again, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Then I have a couple great recommendations for you. First of all, check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Second, if you like our podcast, then our real-life native immersion course is perfect for you. It is the next best thing to studying abroad in an English-speaking country. Try it for free with our three-part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod to sign up. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah. <laughs>